Uh, before I get into much, I want to honor Pastor Les and Pastor Nikki Cody. You guys are extremely blessed. They are some of my favorite people. I, Pastor Les can make me laugh like every single time I'm around him, but, but both of them walk in so much reverence, holiness. They challenge you. They challenge me. They call us higher. Uh, they are leading this campus so well. And I wanted to take a moment to honor them, honor how they've obeyed the call of God on their life, whether that's laying things down, picking things up, dying to their flesh and leading in boldness and in strength. So Pastor Les and Pastor Nikki, we honor you. Uh, if you'd like the notes to my message, you can text notes to 59090 and follow along. Just as we watched that video, it is the year of dunamis. This means power. It means strength. It means fortification. This has been the year to strengthen and to fortify. And I want to encourage you, Waco, it is not too late for you to grab a hold onto this prophetic word over your life. Uh, this is not too late. The year's not over yet. It's not over yet. And when 2024 comes along, the year of Dunamis doesn't end. It continues. Every year we build upon the word that the Lord released. This is how we steward it. We, we grab a hold of everything that we can. Uh, prophetic words aren't a guarantee, but they are an invitation. It means it doesn't happen on its own. It means you need to say, hey, I want to claim that. I want to walk in that. I'm going to steward that. I'm going to keep it in front of me. I'm going to actually apply and put my foot forward in reading God's word and being strengthened by his word. I'm going to actually step, put, take a step forward and go to Wednesday morning prayer and be strengthened through guerrilla warfare prayer. It takes a step, but it's not too late for you. You will walk in dunamis. Dunamis will go from on you to in you. This morning, we're going to be in Joshua 1, 1 through 9. It says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Mercy Culture Waco, I came here to tell you today, be strong and courageous. The title of this message is Dunamis to Tread. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence. We say we don't just make room for you, but we give you the entire room. We give you this entire tent. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence that it doesn't only come uh, in smallness. Or we, we ask you for your great fullness of your presence. Lord, I thank you that there's no spirit, but the Holy Spirit welcome here. So I just say to the spirit of fear, fear you must go. Doubt, you must go. Discouragement, you must go. Anxiety, you must go. Depression, you must go. Any attack of witchcraft, you must go. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, I thank you that we didn't come to hear from any person, but we came to hear from you. Jesus, we thank you that one look at you changes everything. One word from you changes everything. And so God, would you speak through me? Would you take every word and have it be your word? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we are reading in Joshua 1, the context of this scripture leading up to this moment is Israel was in bondage in Egypt. They were in slavery. And God calls Moses to come lead them out. They go through Pharaoh, all the 10 plagues. They're released. They go through the Red Sea. Uh, all, of Israel, or all of Egypt gets trampled by the water. And they walk into the wilderness on their journey into freedom. The journey that they were in the wilderness, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. Although the journey actually could have only been 11 days long. In this 40-year journey, they are led by Moses. God provides for them. He gives them water to drink out of rocks. He gives them manna from heaven, bread, quail. He provides for them every step of the way. But Israel is found grumbling, complaining, and really wishing for bondage instead of for freedom. And in this 40-year journey, they're led by Moses. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. He, he encounters God. God gives them the way to live a holy life found in the Ten Commandments. He says, hey, this is the way to live. Israel doesn't listen. They turn to false gods. They worship false gods. They repent. They come back to God and they go over and over again of, of wanting to go into bondage and worship false gods and then repenting and turning back to the one true living God, Yahweh. The Exodus generation passes away and Moses is there to teach this new generation that's rising up in their wilderness the ways of God, the law of God, the Ten Commandments. This is in the book, book of Deuteronomy. And then we find Joshua. Joshua is Moses's assistant and he's with them every step of the way. He's not only with them as choosing to, the, to serve Moses, but God appoints Joshua serve Moses. So Joshua as a faithful servant and one who is dedicated to the presence of God and to obedience, he serves him. He goes up to Mount Sinai with him, but he stands a ways back as Moses goes to meet with God. Imagine being on that mountain and hearing the voice of God and Moses talking to him. Imagine being there, noticing all of the rumblings and the earthquake and the lightning and feeling God's presence. Joshua was with Moses every step of the way and he was the one who was led by the spirit of God and loved God's presence. Joshua was the one who would guard the tent of meeting. He would stand there and as Moses would go in to talk and meet with the Lord, Joshua would stand at the gates and guard the tent. 
He would listen to these conversations. And in Exodus 33, it tells us that Joshua would not depart from the tent. He felt God's presence. He loved God's presence, but he would not depart from it. Joshua was a man committed to obedience. He with Caleb were the two of the 12 spies who went into the land, the promised land, and they were the only two who came back with a good report. They were the only ones that said, hey, God said this, we believe him. This is an exceedingly good land. Then here we are, Moses dies, and here we are at Joshua 1, where God commissions Joshua to take the land. Taking the land takes effort. God calls Joshua to be strong and courageous, but he tells him to tread. He says, every step the sole of your foot will touch will be given to you as I've promised you. It requires treading on the ground given to them. God could have eliminated every enemy for Israel, but he didn't. He wanted Israel to partner with him in victory and take that step of faith, knowing that God would fight every battle for them. He wanted Israel to partner with them. This required a group of people who were not content with Egypt, who were not content with bondage, but they wanted everything that the Lord had for them. This required people who would take that step and tread. And I believe there are warriors in this room who have that same heartbeat that say, I want everything that the Lord has for me. I don't want to be content with anything less than his presence. I'm not going to be content with bondage. I'm not going to be content with addiction. I'm not going to be content with temptations that will rule me. But I will be victorious and follow him with whatever it takes. Here we are in Joshua 1. I'm going to read verses 3 and 5 again. God says this, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given it to you, just as I promised. Verse 4 tells exactly where God is telling them, I've given you all this territory. He marks it all out. This is where you tread. I'm telling you where to go. I've already given it to you. And in verse five, he promises, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. He's promising victory to them. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He promises, I will not leave you or forsake you. That word tread means to walk in a specified way. It's not just to walk, not just to you know, walk aimlessly, but it's to walk with a purpose. It is to tread. It is to walk in a specified way, to walk, step, to march, to trample or crush. And God's giving you dunamis to tread. As I was praying for you, Waco, I had this vision. Before I even got into the budget, I asked God, what do you want to release to Waco? And instantly I had this vision or a spiritual daydream of army boots marching in unison. They were marching and marching, and the Lord led me to this message that he wants to give you dunamis to tread. As I was praying for you, I heard the Lord say, Waco, as you tread into that building, you are walking into inheritance. As you tread into that building, you are walking into inheritance because he's promised it for you. This is why, Waco, you fasted for that reverence. Because when you walk in, you're walking into an inheritance. God's charge in Joshua 1 is written three times. He says, only be strong 
and courageous. Now, when God says something once, we want to pay attention to him. But when he says something three times, we better not miss it. That word strong is chazak in Hebrew. It means to strengthen, prevail, harden, be strong, become strong, be courageous, be firm, grow firm, be resolute, or be sore. To be strong, it takes, I, mean, I don't know if you've ever been to the gym. Probably most of you have worked out or been doing some exercise in your life. But when you work out and you feel that soreness, you know that you're becoming stronger. But how much strength are you having right now where you're spiritually sore because you're growing in strength every single day? That's that word strong. Courageous is amate in Hebrew. It means to be strong, alert, courageous, brave, stout, bold, solid, hard. It means to be determined, to make oneself alert, to strengthen oneself, confirm oneself, persist in, prove superior to. This word amates also means to be alert, firm, strong, and the alertness of your feet. It means to be strong and the feet are swift-footed. And God is telling Joshua, be strong and courageous. Take that tread, because wherever you put your foot to, I've promised it to you. But he's telling you, be strong and courageous to not depart from his ways. This is why we pray our benediction. Lord, would you teach us your ways? that we may know you and find your favor. Waco, as you tread, the Lord highlighted to me the enemy's tactics, tactics to keep you from being strong and courageous. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, so that we might not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. The Lord doesn't want you to be ignorant or outwitted by the enemy. He's called you to be strong and courageous, but Knowing the enemy's tactics is a weapon in our hand. So these are the, the three uh, uh, tactics of the enemy that he's highlighted to me, that the Lord's highlighted to me, that keep you from being strong and courageous. The first one is intimidation. The enemy's goal of intimidation is for you to give into fear and shrink back rather than obey the Lord. That word timid is actually placed in the middle of intimidation, where God is calling his people to obey, intimidation seems to come like a flood to overwhelm you, to disqualify you, and to get you to give up. This is what intimidation sounds like. You aren't qualified for this. You don't have the experience. You've never done this before. You're too old. You're too young. You're too this. You're too that. He'll disqualify you. Intimidation sounds like you shouldn't share your testimony. What will people think of you? Are you actually free? Or when, when you say it, will you fall back into that past? The enemy will taunt you and tell you if you bring up your past, you will actually have more shame than give God the glory that he's due for what he's done in your life. Intimidation will say you've never done this before. Just quit now. It's easier to quit than to actually do this. It's more comfortable to give up first before you get too far into it and mess up and fail. Someone else can do this instead of you. Why don't you just take a seat back? It'll be easier. Just quit. Just give up now. 
I'm sure many of you have heard these lies of the enemy. I myself have heard them many times. And I wanted to share some of my authenticity. I love how Pastor Chandel led us in authenticity in her hosting moment. Because one of the values of our house is that we are authentic. It's how we act at our best, that we are real. We don't do fake. Now we disciple people through real relationships by being vulnerable. And so I wanted to expose the enemy's tactics against me with intimidation. And one of them being, I remember I was uh, hosting or, or leading in a moment on the platform uh, about a year ago. And right after that, I felt like I messed up. I was a failure. Uh, I shouldn't ever do that again. I literally said to the Lord, I'll never go on the platform ever again in my life. That's what intimidation will do. It will question you to cause you to not obey the call of God on your life. And I partnered with it. I, I entered into, I yoked myself with intimidation. Instead of yoking myself with the Lord, I yoked myself with intimidation and performance. And literally after I said, Lord, I'm never going to do that again. That was, I don't want to do that ever again. I messed up. I, I made a mistake. How embarrassing. I'm never going to do that again. And I walked off. I'm never going to do that again. And literally a few days later, I get asked to come here to host the culture panel last year. I get asked to preach in Waco. And I get asked to host again in Fort Worth. A few days after, I said, Lord, I'm never doing that again. And of course, I said yes, because I wasn't going to disobey the call of God on my life. But I went into every moment with a heaviness. Literally, when I was here and I was hosting that culture panel, I was heavy. I was like, why am I even doing this? I questioned the call of God on my life because I partnered with this intimidation. It took a, a moment where I remember I was hosting in Fort Worth and Pastor Heather was like, hey, you're not acting like yourself. Your, your voice is being held back. You're not really flowing like you used to. You're like, I'm right. I got partnered with intimidation. I really walked with the fear of man. I care about, about what people thought of me more than what the Lord thought of me. That's what uh, intimidation will do. It'll, it'll put the fear of man before you instead of the fear of the Lord before you. You'll lose your anointing. And so I was hosting and everything felt heavy when it's supposed to be easy in his presence. Because when you're yoked with him, it's so easy. But when I was yoked with intimidation, it was hard. It was heavy. I felt like I was a disappointment every single time I, I spoke. And she, I exposed it and then she prayed over me. I felt a breakthrough instantly. And ever since then, I've kept fear of man in front of me. I keep it out of me. I repent for it. I keep it out in front of me because I want to be aware of when it feel, what it feels like. And I don't ever want to partner a yoke with that, with that again. And I, I, del I experienced deliverance and freedom. And, but when you get delivered, there's a moment of deliverance where there's breakthrough and it's easy. But it takes the, the stewardship of that deliverance to walk in your freedom. There's another moment of intimidation. Uh, I myself with Pastor Nikki and a few other pastors in Fort Worth were a part of the Justice Reform, the advocacy program, where we're raising up hundreds of advocates who are gonna walk with survivors of human trafficking. It is amazing. These uh, survivors are gonna be housed in the first ever of its kind, a spirit-filled, presence-driven restoration home that's going to house 100 women. It's going to be amazing. So we're raising up these advocates to walk in the Lord's ways, walk in the, in the fear of the Lord and not be intimidated by this human trafficking realm. And I remember all of us were in this room and we had to do this exercise. Some of you have gone through advocacy training in this room and where you role play a scenario of, of an advocate leading a survivor of human trafficking into a moment of, of a daily encounter. But there's all these different scenarios that could happen. And I remember all of us being like, we've never ministered to a, a survivor of human trafficking. 
we've never done that before. We don't know what that's going to be like. What will, will happen? And all of us were like, well, we've never done that before. I remember Pastor Heather very gently but very boldly said, hey, this is intimidation. It's not, you've, if you've never done it before, that's not what qualifies you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and he equips you for every single thing that comes your way. And she gave this analogy of like, if you're praying, if you're at the altar team and you pray for people, you don't say, if a doctor comes up to you for prayer, well, I can't pray for you because I don't have doctor before my name. It's the same way. Intimidation will say, you've never done it before, so don't even try. But we're saying no to intimidation. We're obeying the call of God because the Holy Spirit's with inside. It's inside of us. And he's given us the power. The dunamis goes from on you to in you, and you'll be equipped for everything. So be aware, Waco. Be aware of the spirit of intimidation that wants you to give up, to fear man more than fear God, and to never obey the call of God on your life. This is a spirit. It's intimidation. John 12, 42 through 43 shares how intimidation came to those who believed in Jesus and prevented them from speaking up. It says this, nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Intimidation shut their mouth from confessing their belief in Jesus because they feared what the Pharisees thought about them. They feared what their church leaders thought about them. Intimidation kept their mouth shut. They feared man or they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from the Lord. They stood under that yoke of intimidation and prevented them from using their voice and confessing belief in Jesus. The Holy Spirit reminded me that there's a prophetic word over this community, that you are a tent of meeting going to a house of glory. Intimidation and fear of man has to go because the prophetic word over Waco is glory. Will you settle for glory of man more than the glory of the Lord? No. Because you are a tent of meeting going to a house of glory. Can I get an amen? 2 Timothy 1.7, this is the promise. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, of dunamis, of love and self-control. Intimidation is found all throughout scripture. I could list many different stories from Elijah, Elisha, Esther, uh, all of the different apostles of, of Peter who, who denied Jesus because of the intimidation that he found in the room. But I wanna talk about the story of Caleb and Joshua. Numbers 13, 25 through 33. I'm gonna be reading a lot of scripture, but it's good because we're, we're the year of Eunice where we're fortified by scripture and the word of God. So this is the report of the spies. Moses sends out the spies to go look into the land. There we are at verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, 
and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negeb. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it. For we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they spied out, saying, The land though which we have gone in to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Numbers 14, 1 through 10. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would we have died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And then they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses said to Aaron, uh, then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for their bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to the stone to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. Waco intimidation will tell you it's better to be in bondage than to be in freedom. Practical advice. When intimidation comes, get into an encounter with God and ask God to see things the way he sees things. Ask God this question, what do you see that I need to see? I want to encourage you that it's easy to hear God in his presence. Connect with God through conversation. Ask him this question. What do you see that I need to see? Isaiah 55, eight through nine says, for my ways are not your ways, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We need his perspective today. We need to see from the Lord's sight, the Lord's perspective, because his ways are higher than our ways, ways that we don't always understand. It seemed impossible. There were giants in the land. It was large. It was fortified. There were enemies. But, but the Lord said, I'm giving it to you. I'm, I'm going to make a way where there is no way. See, the spies saw themselves as grasshoppers, but Caleb saw the giants as bread. 
Perspective is everything. I want to encourage you when battling intimidation, you simply only need a perspective shift. You only need to see the way God sees it. If you see it in your human flesh, you may be intimidated, but with God, there is power and he's giving you dunamis to tread. I want to remind you the prophetic word over dunamis is no, no more two steps forward and one step back. Intimidation will cause you to shrink back, but I prophesy, I, I say again the prophetic word that Pastor Lynn released, no more two steps forward and one step back. This is the year that God gets your best. Every act of obedience strengthens you. This is what we get to partner with. Be strong and courageous. You shall cause this people to inherit the land promised by God. The second tactic of the enemy is doubt. Doubt is a feeling of uncertainty or a lack of conviction. It's hesitation or it's unbelief. As I was uh, praying about doubt, the Lord reminded me of, of uh, playing sports in high school and, and knowing in sports, if you hesitate, you actually cause injury to yourself. If you stutter in your step, you might roll your ankle. I don't know, actually, I almost rolled my ankle while jumping in worship. I wasn't quite ready to jump, but I jumped and I was like, oh, that's hesitation. I, I will injure myself if I hesitate. If you hesitate, you will injure yourself. I believe this is why the Lord wants to highlight the tactic of the enemy is doubt. Because if you have unbelief while you tread, you will injure yourself or you'll injure others. James 1, 2 through 8 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. Some of you need to hear that this morning. When you ask God, you need to know that he gives generously to all without holding back. He's a good God. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person who doubts must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That word doubt in Greek is diakrino, and it means to separate, make a distinction, discriminate or to, to prefer. It means that I'm going to withdraw myself. I'm gonna separate myself in a hostile spirit to oppose, strive with dispute or contend. It's to be at variance with oneself, hesitate or doubt. As I was praying about doubt, I heard the Lord say, this is what doubt is like. You ask, but you don't receive because you separate yourself from it. So I can I have my daughter who is, is a good daughter and, and, and ask for something. She said, hey, mommy, can I have a cookie? And she doesn't believe I'm gonna give her a cookie. I can be like, yeah, here you go. But if she's running away from me, I can't ever give her the cookie. I can't give to somebody who is separating themselves from me. This is what doubt looks like. When you doubt, you ask, but you never receive because you separate yourself. 
I'm gonna talk about the story of Moses. This is in Numbers 20, verses two through 13. This is when they're in the wilderness. They have no water. Israel is complaining. They're thirsty. There was no water for the congregation. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, would that we have perished with her brothers, perished before the Lord. Again, like, hey, can we just die and go back to bondage and be in freedom and experience the Lord, the, the, the land that the Lord's promised us? Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from, went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. I love this. Every time they had, I don't know what to do, they ran to the Lord. Saying, uh, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock, everyone say, Tell the rock, before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Verse 10. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. <laughs> Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock. He struck the rock. What did God tell him to do? Speak to the rock. He struck the rock with, or he struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy, that's that reverence, in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land I've given them. These are the waters of Meribah, which is also means bitterness where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. So Moses doubts God, doesn't believe him. Because he thinks, hey, in Exodus 17, a while ago, God told me to strike the rock with the staff, and water came out. And so this time, he tells, God tells Moses to speak to the rock instead of strike the rock. He said, hey, but I, I did something before, and it worked. So I'll just do it again. I'll be familiar with the presence of God. And in God's goodness, he still gave water. But Moses doubted God and didn't believe him. He didn't speak to it as God told him to. The result of Moses' disobedience is found in Deuteronomy 32. This is Deuteronomy 32, 51 through 52. Because you broke faith, because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel, for you shall not see the land before you. You shall not go there, but into the land that I'm giving to the people. He said, you can see the land, but you won't go into it. The enemy will tempt you to doubt in God's strength, so you only rely on your own which that's not a way to receive all that he's poured out. We can't receive from him when we doubt his strength because that's where we separate ourselves from him. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by his spirit. I want to encourage you today that if you're feeling weak in the year of Judas, good, 
It's when you rely on his strength. I remember many times in, in this year, it's like, man, this is your power, strength, fortification, dunamis. But I feel so weak. And the Lord said, that's good. You don't have, I don't want you to use your own strength. I want you to use mine. This is what doubt will say. Doubt says, be in your own strength. Don't, don't believe God fully. Strike the rock instead of say something to it. But we don't receive all of it when we doubt. And I want to encourage you, all of us doubt. All of us have struggled with doubt. But it's just a matter of what do we do with it. Okay, this is a tactic of the enemy that keeps you from being strong and courageous. We're exposing the enemy, and we're going to be strong and courageous. So what do we do with our doubt? Matthew, or Mark 9, 21 through 24, this is a story of a father who comes to Jesus, and his son is tormented by demons. Verse 21, and Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can't do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And she said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and he said, I believe, help my unbelief. So when you have doubt, just pray and ask God, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I want to encourage you, if you have not listened to the Shield of Faith and the Armor of God series that Pastor Lennon preached, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. If doubt is before you today, don't let it stay before you any day longer. Be strengthened in your faith. In this message of Shield of Faith, I was so encouraged when Pastor Lennon said, if your faith is as small as a mustard seed, which scripture says, that's all the faith you need. So many times the enemy says, you need to have a big faith. You need to believe for every little thing. You need to believe for that job. You need to believe for that breakthrough. You need to have faith for that miracle. You need to have faith for that baby. But Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, go, and it'll be thrown into the sea. I want to encourage you today. It's just having faith in Jesus. You don't have to have faith for everything else. Have faith in Jesus. And that is enough faith. When you have faith in Jesus, your strength, your, your faith will be fortified. I believe this is why it's important that we are fortified in our faith. We must know him. We must know the word of God. This is how your faith is strengthened. Prophetic reminder from the year of Dunamis. You will be fortified in your faith. You will be people of the spirit and people of the word. The word of God, the Bible, will strengthen you. The enemy tricking you with, did God really say, will no longer work on you. For you will know what is written and you will know God's word. You will be strengthened by the word, by reading it and by memorizing it. Past promises and oaths that you made to God this year, will, you will go back and keep. This is a year that you won't make things happen in your own strength. It will be a year of deutimous power of his strength. You will do less and he will do more. I saw some of you like David, Pastor Landon said, you tried it your way and now it's time to do it God's way. So I say to you, no more doubt. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that God has commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. And the final tactic of the enemy that I want to expose, the Lord wanted to expose, is dismay. 
Dismay is the sudden loss of courage or resolution from alarm or fear. It's sudden disappointment. Dismay is a strong feeling of fear, worry, or sadness that is caused by something unpleasant or unexpected. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That word, be not dismayed in Hebrew, is sha'ah. It means to gaze at, regard, behold, look about. It means to look away. To cause, uh, gaze to turn away, to look in dismay or cause about in anxiety. Waco, dismay comes when you look away. I'm not saying that unpleasant or unexpected things won't happen to you. Actually, it's promised that it will happen. But how you respond matters. Do you look to him or do you look away? Because when you look away, that's how dismay comes. The Lord is saying to you, this is Joshua 1, 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't give in to fear or intimidation. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You only have to be strong and courageous. Because when you look at him in the face of the unexpected, you're going to have peace beyond understanding. You're going to have joy that does not make any sense. You're going to have love for people that hate you. You're going to have patience where you didn't have it before. You'll have kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control when you look to him. Because his promise is, hey, I'm right here. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. Just look to me. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Every desire gets fulfilled when you look to him. This is how you get courage. You look at him. That word courage, I just want to remind you again, it means to be alert, to be strong, to be swift-footed, to be strong in your feet. Prophetic reminder of dunamis. Pastor Lynn released this beginning of the year. I heard in my spirit, joy is our warfare. Joy is our weapon. I saw you strengthen yourself in prayer. Strengthen yourself in prayer in the spirit. Strengthen yourself in worship and in joy. I saw this year your enemies will be scattered. I saw this year the enemies that they thought were picking a fight with you, they were actually picking a fight with God. I heard the Lord say, these battles have not been personal these battles have been spiritual. I saw us dancing our way into Junimus, and through Junimus, I saw joy as our weapon. Waco, be strong and courageous. Don't be dismayed. He's with you. Just look at him. One look at him changes everything. I want to invite the worship team up. We're going to go back to our text in Joshua 1, but I'm going to start in verse 3. God said, every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given it to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. 
only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it, from the right to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. The Lord is with you wherever you go. Mercy Culture Waco, he has given you dunamis to tread, to walk in a specified way, to trample, to march, to crush. You only have to be strong and courageous. Well, how are we strong and courageous? You get in his presence. He is your strength. He is your courage. This is where daily encounters with God are so important. I know we say it every single time at Mercy Culture that we go from a corporate encounter with God to daily personal encounters with God because this is how you survive. Not only how you survive, but how you thrive because you need to encounter him. You need to see from his perspective. You need to know that he's with you, that you only need to look at him. You don't look away and get dismayed or discouraged. That you don't doubt because you know that he is who he says he is because you've been with him daily. And I want to encourage you, if you're like, I don't know about this whole daily encounter thing. I don't even know where to start. There's good news for you. We want to help you. You can text ENCOUNTER to 59090. You can receive all the kind of God ways. You can find a daily encounter plan. But it really is simple. You set your eyes on him. You set your attention on him. Say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do, but show me what to do. Just like Moses and Aaron, we don't know what to do. We're just going to go to the Lord. We're going to go to that tent of meeting. Go find his presence. Lay before his face. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to encounter you. God, will you show me how to encounter you? Learn how you connect with God. Find the ways you connect with him. But get into his presence. Don't miss an encounter with him that he has for you every single day. Because this is how you walk in strength and in courage. Wake up as I pray for you. I heard the Lord say that some of you have only been focused on the promised land or only focused on what God has promised you. But he wants you to know that he's focused on your tread. He's looking, where are they stepping so that I can give that territory to him? Where is she stepping so I can give that territory where the sole of her foot steps? Is she daily connecting with me? Because right there, I'll show myself to her. Is he obeying when I tell him to step and where to go? Because I'll show him my ways and my favor. He's looking at your tread. You may be focused on where you're going and the promise is the prophetic word that he's released over you and that's okay, that's good. But don't miss the daily obedience in the tread because that's where he's looking. He's saying, is my sons and my daughters faithful to obey me? Because obedience is greater than sacrifice. This is how Israel transitions into the promised land. It's Joshua 3, verses 9 through 17. After Joshua's commission, he says, hey, be strong and courageous. Don't fear, don't be dismayed. Put your foot there, I'll give it to you. Don't forget, I'm always with you. I won't ever leave you or forsake you. Yes, there's enemies, but I promise you the victory. And here we are in Joshua 3. Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the Lord, the living God is among you 
that he will not fail to drive out from before you all your enemies, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites, and all the other ites. Behold, behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord or his presence, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark just dipped the brink of the water. Scripture mentions, now the Jordan overflows from all of its banks and it rose up in a heap very far away. Scripture mentioned that this is not just a little stream or a little shallow water. No, it's the time of full harvest where the water is overflowing. There's a flood. There's a flood, there's a river that is rushing that they have to cross over to get into their promise. And scripture says when the the feet of the priests bearing the ark just dipped their feet into the water. What happened? The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zerethen. And those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over the opposite of Jericho. Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly. They stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all of Israel passing over on dry ground until the whole nation passed over the Jordan. This is the beginning of them going into the territory of the promise. Don't be so consumed with where you're going that you miss the importance of daily obedience and the tread. The priests had to take a step and a overflowing river because God was looking at their tread. Simply put, to tread is just to obey Him. Be faithful in your steps, Waco. Treading forward, strong and courageous to not depart from His ways. And He will be with you to create a way where there is no way. You may be facing today intimidation, you may be facing doubt, you may be facing dismay and discouragement and that all you can see is this overflowing flood before you that's preventing you from crossing over into your promise. But God wants you to know, ah, there's dunamis in your tread. There's dunamis in your step when you have faith and no doubt knowing the God that goes before you will never leave you or forsake you. Because this is what Luke 10, 17 through 20 says. Jesus sends out disciples to go heal the sick, cast out demons and raise the dead. And they come back with joy. They say, Lord, 
Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. But Jesus says this, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. But don't, so don't rejoice in the authority I've given you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus is saying, don't get so consumed with the authority. Be consumed that you're always gonna be with me. Rejoice that you get to be with me. His dunamis to tread comes when you walk with him because he's with you. It's his power, not yours. It's his strength, not yours. He actually will boast in your weakness because he will get all of the glory. This is how you're strong and courageous. I want to encourage you, if any of you in this place have had that flood about you where all you can see is the voice of intimidation saying you can't do this, who do you think you are? I'm the enemy's tactic to intimidate you. I want you to get to this altar. If you have been dismayed, discouraged, you said, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I want you to get up to this altar. If you have had doubt, if you've had hesitation, if you said, God, I know you said this, but I don't know if you're true. I don't know if this is actually gonna happen. I might have to muster up my own strength to see this promise fulfilled. I want you to come up to this altar because the Lord's gonna give you dunamis to tread. Dunamis to tread. There's gonna be healing and deliverance. Altar team and pastors, would you come and pray, lay hands. I want you guys right now to look at the face of Jesus. Because it's in his encounter with you that all of this falls away off of you. And you just say, Jesus, I give you this intimidation. I'm exposing the enemy. Ha! We're laughing in the face of the enemy because he's given us power to tread. So Jesus, we give you intimidation. We say intimidation will not hold us back any longer. Oh, enemy, we expose you and we say you're powerless. Not one more inch in Jesus' name. Jesus, we thank you that dismay is falling off, that disappointment is falling off. Oh, to look at you, to gaze at you, Thank you, Lord, that doubt is falling off. 
Dunamis, 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 Dunamis to tread, authority to tread on the enemy, authority to tread with joy. you have to go you're broken off in the name of Jesus spirit of intimidation you have to go you will not hold your daughters and sons back any longer Jesus I thank you for your power you're marking you're marking right now with your power and your dunamis in Jesus name 